I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They, they just gatekeep knowledge, you know, they're, they're to- total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know, these, these pricks at the helm have lied to us. It's... I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. They're, they're setting it up for the Great Deception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all revolves around the Great Deception. Yeah, right? it, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the Great Deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. I never used to question before, and now I question everything. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. The world needs a wake-up call. Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks for joining me. Tonight, we have a little break in the, uh, as you know, the last episode was uh, with Casey and I looking into San Francisco and some of the false history that we saw there. And what I wanted to do, what really interested me in that is, is tonight's episode. Um and the fact that this story that we're told, right, his story, and, uh, you know, the name of my podcast says it all, guys. I got into this, you know, thing, doing podcasts for the simple reason I was sick of being lied to. Everywhere, everyone out there it seemed like was lying and getting away with it at the same time. And I felt like I was the crazy one because, you know, people were telling me this, but I was, I knew that wasn't the case. And it's one of those maddening patterns that you get in where you're like, man, I know, I know I'm, I'm at least more correct here, right? I can tell their lies. I can see through their lies but yet the lies continue, then the lies grow. And that's where the great deception came from. You know, I I was lied to by my doctors. I was lied to by my ex-wife. I was lied to by my parents. Uh, You know, it just goes on and on and on. Friends that were were supposedly friends, you know. Um, And then you get into, you know, the government, all that different layers. And that led me to my, you know, what I really enjoy, which is history. And I was a history minor and in college and really enjoyed it. And, and, and 
was fascinated by the stories of the old times. But at the same time, there were so many stories that never made sense to me. But yet I, I didn't have the, you know, the the assertion in me to go do any research. I was like, ah, ah it is what it is. Right. And that's part of what is so great about this time is that not only was I blessed with the eyes to be able to see some of this stuff, but on on top of that, I was able to pursue it finally. And, and man, I'll tell you what, starting this podcast, I've been doing this podcast a little over a year now. And, you know, I'm not one of those big people into public speaking. I'm not into big group talks and things like that. So for me to put my voice out there, you know, I got no problem talking small groups of circles, one-on-one conversations. I'll, I'll, I have no problem with that, but putting it out there was something that was like, you know, it was a step for me because, you know, I, I really never put myself out here like this. I had done some radio shows in the past with some friends, but never by myself. Right. And putting and, and talking about the stuff we talk about, it's a real easy for a lot of normal people to say, oh, shit, he lost it. He's crazy. And that's fine. Think what you want about me. I did. It, it rolls right off my back at this point. Um, and but. To what we're getting at tonight is just some more deception, some more lies of someone who we're told is is supposed to be a source of history for not only the West in America, but also the Native Americans. So, and the world's fairs and all sorts of other stuff. So we're going to take a look at this story here in a minute. But first, I want to thank some new uh, contributions to the show. We got two new patrons. I want to thank Nomad and Mikey. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining the show. Um, guys, anybody that wants to, uh, next week, we have a patrons only um, convert Zoom meeting. So uh, that'll be Friday the 30th. So if you want to if you want to uh, be part of the group, we got to get get you in the patron and, and, and hop on board with the rest of these great folks. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this call with you all talking with you all. Finally, um, I got to talk with a couple of people last time and hoping this grows. Uh, so patreon.com slash the great deception. And then also guys, there are other ways to donate to the show. And I got my, uh, we got our first international donation this week via PayPal from Robert in Sweden. Robert, thank you so much, man. That was super generous. I really appreciate it. And yes, Tartaria is real. And that's a whole nother discussion, but you're spot on my friends. Uh, I appreciate it. All you guys, thank you so much. And all the patrons, uh, we're starting to grow a little, little community here. Uh, getting some good interactions on Patreon and then also on Instagram. So guys hit me up either place and, uh, and let's get this thing going. The reason why I'm doing what we're doing tonight is because I don't have time to research everything about everybody, but when I smell something fishy, I want to bring it out to you all. Because I feel like there's so many good minds out there that that can research this stuff also a little deeper. Um, and together, we can get to the bottom of this. So this one right here is, this is from the 1890s. Okay, and we're going to take a look tonight at a gentleman named Hubert Howe Bancroft. And most people have never heard of Mr. Bancroft. However... 
he has written a large percentage of our history in America as Americans. He's wrote over 60,000 volumes worth of information, pages, whatever you want, however you want to put it. Now, this guy's story has shade written all over it. Okay, and we're going to go we're going to go over his story and then after we see who he is, what we're going to look at right here is a book that I found from 1894 from the Society of California Pioneers. These are people who were in California pre-1850. And what they are doing, they wrote this book called Misrepresentations of Early California History Corrected. The Proceedings of the Society of California Pioneers in Regard to Certain Misrepresentations of Men and Events in Early California History Made in the Works of Hubert Howe Bancroft and commonly known as Bancroft's Histories. Okay, so that's where we're going to end up with this. So let's take a look now at Mr. Bancroft himself. Now, who is this guy? Now, he came on my radar during the World's Fairs. Okay, because he wrote five volumes on the Chicago World's Fair. He wrote volumes on most of the World's Fairs. And when I say volumes, guys, I'm talking 1,000 pages, 1,200 pages, not like a hundred, couple hundred page book. And I found plenty of those on subjects, right, pertaining to the World's Fair. But this guy wrote the mother of all uh, summaries for all of these world fairs. Now, what's what blows my mind is how could one person, A, do all this, and B, it just doesn't make any sense, guys. And again, what what sent the red flags off in my head, okay, is his, his story, right? And his story leads him from Buffalo, New York, and whenever I hear Buffalo in the 1800s, that raises a red flag because I feel like Buffalo is one of those early cities in America that has much more significance than we've ever been told. These, these World Fair cities have deeper history, and that's why they were presented, destroyed, and then ushered in with the new era to erase, to eradicate the past. That's all part of this whole orphan trains that we've been talking about and reshuffling of the population and, and, and the amnesia of people to get people to forget their history is to get, to be able to then rewrite history to the way you want it to be and read. And that's really what Mr. Bancroft ended up doing. Okay. So what's his story? He's born in 18 May of 1832 in Ohio. Okay. And most of his family is from new England right? Vermont and Massachusetts. He's around my area, actually. Um, his family were supposedly staunch abolitionists and supported the Underground Railroad. Of course, they always tie all these characters into all these stories, right? So he went uh, uh, away, but then he ended up coming to work in his brother-in-law's bookstore in Buffalo, New York in the 1850s. Okay. In 1852, it says he was provided an inventory of books to sell and was sent to the booming California city of San Francisco to set up a West Coast regional office of the firm. Okay, so that's just interesting. I mean, 
if you think about the gold rush at the time, you think these people are really interested in books? Just a thought. I don't know. I, I don't think that gold miners and the people that are going out during the gold rush are really too interested in books. So that raised a red flag right away. This guy's going to set up a bookstore out there, a book empire. And it says he was successful in building his company, entering the world of publishing, also in the process. So now not only he he all of a sudden now he's going to publish books as well right this guy's just breaking it in right now he also became a serious collector of books building a collection numbering into the tens of thousands of volumes now let's think about this guys he was sent out there to sell some books and now he's turning into the amazon where's all this money coming from Right, They just leave all these pieces out of the story and you're just supposed to buy it. Right, He went out there as a book salesman and then all of a sudden he became the largest collector out there. That doesn't raise a red flag to you? That maybe this guy was sent out there to go collect any information that was out there, gather it up, and then he would have to reissue it with his own little spin on it to fit the narrative. Okay, it says in, in uh, 1968, so just 15 years later, he resigned from his business in favor of his brother, A.L. Bancroft. He'd accumulated a great library of historical material and abandoned business to devote himself entirely to writing and publishing now. Okay, Bancroft's library consisted of books, maps, and printed manuscripts and documents, including a large number of narratives uh, dictated to Bancroft or his assistance by pioneers, settlers, and statesmen. The index, uh, indexing of a vast collection employed six persons for 10 years. So that's how much information he had. He had so much information, it took six people full-time round the clock for 10 years to catalog his information. The library was moved in 1881 to a fireproof building and in 1900 numbered about 45,000 volumes. Okay. And about in about what? 40 years. This guy built up an empire. It's just amazing. He developed a plan to publish a history in 39 volumes of the entire Pacific coast region of North America from central America to Alaska. He employed writers and wrote some of the material himself, though he credited only himself as an author. In 1886, the publishing establishment of A.L. Bancroft and Company burned, and the sheets of seven volumes of history had written were destroyed. Okay, it's just, it's just very shady, all of it, the whole story. Okay, could it be true? Yes. Is it likely true? No. Because I found people that contradict him already. So let's. So he started the Bancroft he the Bancroft Library at U uh, Cal Berkeley. All right, and it has his name on it to this day. It has sixty thousand volume book of his his collection in nineteen oh five. They purchased it from him. So it's just guys. We're just talking massive amounts of information this guy supposedly wrote sixty thousand. now here's where I, I have a part problem with bancroft let's look at another article this is just wikipedia 
Okay. And the reason why I show you guys Wikipedia, right? Oh, why are you using Wik- It's because that's the closest thing we're going to get to the narrative, right? And I want to show you what they're presenting as the story. And then I will contradict that with what I believe is, you know, likely the story. And then what's really true is probably somewhere in between. But I leave that up to you to interpret and dig and, and look into yourself. So here we have it. This is from the Britannica. Okay, so I'm not pulling this from the Huffington Post or anything. We get a very different story about Mr. Bancroft. Okay, same thing. He published 39 volumes on the American West and the peoples of Western North America. Um, And it says his work remains one of the great resources of information on the West. Now, when we think about that, his information is one of the great sources, yet a lot of it has been said to have been false by people who were there at the time. Okay, so now let's get into a little bit of of Bancroft's backstory that differs from the Wikipedia account. And born into a sternly religious and hardworking family, Bancroft abandoned formal education at 16 after brief enrollment in a local academy. His father went to California to pan for gold in 1850, and Bancroft followed him two years later. By 1856... So this is the story. Now his dad's involved, right? Now they add the panning of gold. Not only was his family involved in the Underground Railroad, now his dad's going out as part of the gold rush, right? Do you see how they put these people inside the narratives to tie all the pieces together in their little story? His father went uh, went to California to pan for gold and Bancroft followed him. In 1956, he had opened a bookshop in San Francisco and had traveled extensively both in America and Europe. Okay, so this is different already. In the other story, we were told that he was sent out to San Francisco to open the bookshop. Um, and here he opened the bookshop and, you know, his firm became the largest book selling business in the West in Again, he must have had some backing. Someone must have been pushing him to become the largest in three years. In, 18, uh, in 1959, he began to collect materials on California, such as books, maps, newspapers, manuscripts, and soon expanded his interest to include Western America from Panama to Alaska. Right? So, And then he had 60,000 volumes. Bancroft believed that writing history was, quote-unquote, among the highest of human occupations. In about 1870, he conceived the idea of producing an encyclopedia, uh, encyclopedic history of American West, eventually using a total of more than 600 collaborators, okay, the majority of whom were relatively untrained. To index the massive documentation and work on special projects, Bancroft amassed the largest collection of information on the American West. So he was just going out there and collecting, hoarding, stealing information. This is what they do. It sounds just like what the Smithsonian does. Right? They go out with a, 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 a plan... And then to execute that plan, they have an ulterior motive. And that's what we see right here. Okay? So, uh, he, he assigned himself um, 
the task of writing the native races of the Pacific states of North America in 1875 and 76, a five-volume description of indigenous ethnic groups, a work still youth useful by anthropologists. Okay, so if they're, I mean, again, take this all with a grain of salt. After these five volumes and the next 28 on the settlement, in history of the Western states, Bancroft wrote an additional five volumes on the history of California between 1769 and 1848, including the settling of San Francisco and the defense of vigilante committees in the West. The latter is considered one of his best monographs. The 39th volume in this set is Literary Industries of 1890, his autobiography. Although Bancroft claimed to have written the entire series, other writers contributed, most notably uh, Francis Oretta Fuller-Victor, who wrote several volumes on the history of the Western states. Uh, Though an extensive publicity campaign, or through an extensive publicity campaign, Bancroft achieved a gross return of more than a million (laughs) dollars. His other writings include The New Pacific in 1898, in which he argued in favor of U.S. imperialism in the West. Okay, and here's, this is the part that gets me. Although Bancroft's work is marred by a general lack of careful scholarship and editing, his library, which he sold to the University of Cal Berkeley, okay, for $250,000 on November 25th, 1905, made available to great scholars the amount of historical material with a broad emphasis on cultural and social interchange in the origin and development of nations. Despite his frequent uh, failure to identify his helpers, their contributions serve as a model for cooperative writing in large projects in historical research. Bancroft's history are still considered uh, a generally accurate, valuable source on the history of the Far West. Interesting. Okay, so at both of those claim he is a reputable person. Now, I'm going to take us off track for just a second. Just a little coincidence, and I mentioned this before in the show. But the gentleman who assisted in writing, the chief overseer, that is, of the King James Bible... His name happened to be Richard Bancroft. Okay, is this another character replaying itself? I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe not. I haven't dug that deep into it. But again, uh, you start seeing these names over and over again. And then we look. Okay, I was reading the other day on uh, uh, some false history book I got over here. What's it called? I don't even know where it is. It's probably upstairs in my room. But uh, it's something to do with false history where this guy's calling out all these uh, historians for just basically fabricating. And and I guess they were coercing to get together to to write history in a certain way. And uh, he was calling them out on it. It's a really good book. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what the title is. But back to this. George Bancroft. Okay, from 1800 to 1891, was an American historian, statesman, and democratic politician who was prominent in promoting secondary education in both its home state of Massachusetts and at the national and international levels. During his tenure as U.S. Secretary of the Navy, he established the U.S. Naval Academy at Annapolis. 
He was the senior American diplomat in Europe, leading diplomatic missions to Britain and Germany. Among his best-known writings is uh, the magisterial series, History of the United States from the Discovery of the American Continent. Okay, again, what is the what are the chances, guys? Another Bancroft that's writing the history of the United States in the 1800s. Now, mind you, okay, if that was 2022 and there happened to be, I'd say, okay, great. But back then, guys, the, the chances of this just being coincidence are so, so slim that I just can't buy it. I can't. Okay. And you look at H.H. Bancroft and man, what a shysty cat this guy looks like. Just a creep. Look at some pictures here real quick. But yeah, just a, you know, he's rocking that hard, hard handlebar. I don't know what that has to do with anything. All right, let's get out of here. All right, back to the mission at hand. So now let's go here to this book from 1894. The Misrepresentations of Early California History Corrected in the Events in Early California History Made in the Works of Hubert Howe Bancroft. Okay, so we're going to look here. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, guys. I will put this uh, PDF in the uh, on the Patreon. So uh, patrons, if you want to go get it, feel free. Uh, as I do with most of the books that we go over here, any materials, stuff like that, I try and put it out there for you guys as well. So you guys can take a look at it. But so basically what this is, guys, this is a society of California pioneers. Um, and they're putting together this book because they wrote a letter because Bancroft was a member of this group. And they're basically kicking him out and calling him out for making up uh, his version of history so it says the misrepresentations have appeared from time to time in the books commonly known as bancroft's histories and have heretofore passed unchallenged and found common public acceptance as authority for reviewers and others to have written upon the subject so again guys they're saying that he wrote this as a subject matter expert and other people are writing based off of his writings which is just furthering the lie and they're trying to put a stop to it right here and calling him out. The time at last arrived when, in the judgment of the now old men, who yet composed the majority of the members of this society, the gross misstatements in regard to men and events which these books contain should be refuted by the publication of testimony of the living witnesses, so that the testimony may go upon record and be perpetuated, and the real facts and truth of history be vindicated. I rest my case. No, I'm just kidding. But you see where we're going here. They are saying the, there are flat-out untruths in these books. And, and granted, hey, if he made a mistake here and made a mistake there it's understandable this is totally different he changes names in versions different versions of uh, uh different print versions um you know to go after dead people versus living people he does all sorts of shady antics he makes up 
stuff, uh, you know, slanders people, just all sorts of stuff that you would not expect from a legitimate historian writing an unbiased historical piece. But obviously, this was a slanted, everything that Bancroft wrote had a purpose. There was a, a motive behind it. And, and as you'll see, anything that went against it, he called those people liars and used his clout to basically destroy them. Where do we hear that in today's society? Have we heard that at all in the last couple of years? Where people who spoke out against the mainstream and were shamed, lost their job, lost their livelihood. Guys, you have to understand that history is just a repeating wave. These events and these the, the characters change, but the things time just keeps going on. The events repeat over and over and over. And this is another one of them. Okay, it goes on to say, this society can do no more, uh, therefore, than to refer the whole subject to deliberative judgment of a discriminating public in the belief that the common verdict of that public, as well as the posterity, uh, will be that such so-called history as that herein considered will forever be held to be unworthy of credence and will deserve and find no place in the public or private libraries of the world. So they're saying his books shouldn't be out there. They, they're not credible. And here's the case they're going to lay out. This is the letter they wrote uh, from the Hall of the Society of California Pioneers, San Francisco, November 1893. Now, what had just ended in November 1893? That's when the World Fair ended, right? So I'm sure he was busy writing up the fake history of the Chicago World Fair. And I have those five books on that that we'll go over sometime too. Okay, so this says, In the Matter of the Society of California Pioneers, Versus Hubert Howe Bancroft, an honorary member of this said society. Okay, so it just goes through, and I'm not going to read all the stuff and all the accusations, but I want to give you, and that's why I will provide you with the book so you can read it yourself and dig in deeper. But what I want to show you is where they call him out and, and you know, all the contradictions that he makes and and all the points that they have against him in his presentation of his story. Whereas all such statements have no foundation of truth and are unworthy of the labors of an upright historian and only becoming to one who in our judgment strayed far from the domain of an honest writer with the purpose in view to mislead the reader and wrong the founders of a new state upon the extreme Western boundary of our country and by such statements did wantonly and maliciously wrong the old Argonauts. Therefore, quote unquote, resolved the name uh, that the name of Hubert Howe Bancroft be stricken from the list of honorary members of this society and that the secretary be requested to send him a copy of this preamble and resolution. Okay, so there you go. They are telling him. <laughs> Your ass is served. And and it was interesting here. And malicious, he says, wantonly and maliciously wrong the old Argonauts. The people beforehand, right? Really interesting. And that's why, guys, you have to, we have to go back to these source documents. 
We have to go back to the people that were alive at the time because once they are dead, history is done, right? Now we're at the will of someone's opinion. And that's why I love getting into these old, because you're hearing it firsthand accounts. To collect and preserve information connected with the early settlement of subsequent history of the country and also in all appropriate matters to advance the interests and perpetuate the memory of those whose uh, sagacity, energy, and enterprise induced them to settle in the wilderness and to become founders of the new state. Okay, and he says, whereas Hubert Howe Bancroft in his so-called History of California has within personal knowledge and recollection of many of the old pioneers here present distorted the facts and truths of such history and maligned the memory of many of the men and most conspicuous as participants in these early events, more of which misrepresentations as illustrative of purposes of these resolutions and summarized as follows. Okay, so you're seeing it right here. They're saying they they do not agree. They do not agree with what he is saying and that it does not match what happened. So it is. It is his story. And they're going to call him out on it. So what do they say here? They say, first, Fremont is designated a filibuster who's almost... uh, Every act in California was wrong from the beginning to an end, he says in his volume three, blah, blah, blah. When the authorities very properly ordered him to leave California, he fortified a position on Gavalian Peak and raised the U.S. flag. This was foolish bravado as he realized after a day or two of reflection in connection with Consul Larkin's advice in the site of military preparations at San Juan. So he ran away in the night. And they're saying this isn't true. Right. And this gets back to this whole bit. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the bear flag revolt, um, but this is a big part of this piece that hits home. These people are arguing over this. And this isn't again, this is just leading up to what they're going to actually um, supposedly, you know, charge him with or or call it his falsehood. So. um. Okay, and and again, speaking of controversy, which subsequently arose between Stockton and Kearney, in which Fremont was loyal to Stockton as he was to the duty to bound to be, Bancroft sneeringly remarks, though technically disobeying military orders, Fremont could not, with the honor that should prevail among filibusters as well as thieves, abandon his chief, um, etc. And he closes his biographical sketch in these words, Fremont did more than any other to prevent or retard the conquest of California. He is to be regarded as an adventurer of marvelous good fortune for a man of moderate abilities to be made conspicuous before the world or to enjoy opportunities that cannot be utilized. There are but a few of the many false and malicious statements made by Bancroft in regard to Fremont and which we have thus specifically quoted with proper reference to volumes and pages where they may be found. Through his history, Fremont is constantly misrepresented, and the part that is played in his acquisition of California is constantly belittled and distorted to suit the seemingly vengeful malice existing in the mind of the historian. 
the cause of which it is not our purpose or duty to inquire into. So they're saying right there, he had vengeance, right? They don't know why, and they're not going to dig into why, but they're going to tell you this was done maliciously. This was done intentionally. And what does this say to you? Because what it says to me, it's very disturbing. Okay. The fact that historians, right? And we know these people do this. They're human and they're flawed. But the fact that historians can write their version and put their spin on it is where the, my problem with the narrative comes in because it's not what they say. They pump up certain people in stories. They beat down others based on their relationships or how they're trying to portray the story or the events of history. And that's not right. And and we have to call these people out. And that's why I love this book so much, because this is the first time I've ever seen any historian get called out on his shit. And they really call him out hard here. It's 74 pages. Okay. Um, okay, so let's get to the second point. It says, second, because of the malicious misrepresentations of the characters of some of the men who were among the earlier pioneers of California and who were also among the founders and respected members of this society up to the day of their death as an instance of the following. So then he gives a couple people. Okay, so we'll go through uh, Andrew J. Grayson, a man renowned in the scientific world as an uh, ornithologist whose contributions to that branch of scientific knowledge are commonly acknowledged as hardly inferior in value and interest to those of the Audubon. This man, Mr. Bancroft, in his Pioneer Index and Register, alludes to, um, after saying that he was active in raising men for the California Battalion, in which he ranked as lieutenant, as a gambler and associate of Lippincott, McDougal and other like characters, which in a statement accuses Gray of being a gambler is wickedly and cruelly false and known to be by so many pioneers now living who were honored in being counted among his personal friends. Okay, so I get that. That's a minor thing, right? He accused him of being a gambler. He wasn't a gambler. But back then, that's a little different, especially you think about how religious these people were in some instances, you know. That's like calling someone an adulterer. You know, I mean, I don't know how you'd react, but if, if somebody said I was cheating and I wasn't, I'd be pretty damn pissed. I'd be ready to fight. Let's go. Okay, so it, it says these men, as has been said, were among the early pioneers of California and were among the uh, founders of this society. Clearly, after the misrepresentation and abuse heaped upon the memories of Fremont, Stockton, Souter, and the men of the Bear Flag Party, and all who were active in bringing about the acquisition of California as an American possession, it is not difficult to find the motive for this gross uh, aspersion upon the memories where we consider that each one of them was an active participant in the patriotic work which was so distasteful to Mr. Bancroft. I'm just saying he's anti-American. He's not patriotic. That's a, that's a claim in itself right there. Third, because of the willful and malignant misrepresentation of various other Americans who were among the early settlers in California 
of the part which they played in the events that proceeded and transpired during the conquest of the country as instance in the following statement and facts. Okay. And we're not going to go into these instances. You can go into them yourself, but these are some of the um, examples they give. Okay. Um, but he, here's some more where they call them out a statement backed by not one word of evidence to support it. And considering the wantonness of calling a body of 50 or more men, all uh, about all of whom he could by no possibility have adequate knowledge to justify it as men whose word could not be trusted. It is sufficient in itself to justify this society in condemning him as a historian and as unworthy of association with them. But following out of his line of policy as a historical writer and show how he proceeds to establish his propositions by arrogant and unscrupulous diadem. Instead of presentation of historical facts, attention is drawn to his statements about Farnham, who has already been quoted as the chief narrator of this episode in the early history of California. So he's saying right there, he's not presenting the facts. And that's huge in a historical novel. Okay, it says, Whose testimony shall prevail? Bancroft, writing from the standpoint of narrow prejudice 40 years after the events, which he is relating. Okay, and that's key too. He's not writing right then and there on these. This is, they're saying 40 years after the event. Okay. Um, which he is relating or Stockton, the active, able uh, and patriotic contemporary of a man whom we all know so well and with whose every official act was so thoroughly, was he not so thoroughly familiar? So he's saying Bancroft doesn't even know these people and he's basically just slandering them, but he's doing it falsely. So that's, that's making things a little bit more interesting here. Okay. And he, here's, is this the one? Um, no, that's not the one. Let's get into this one over here. He says, clearly, and I apologize for being all over the place. It's just, it's one of those books that's, you don't want me to sit here and read this whole thing to you. It'll put you to sleep. But for to hear some of the things that they call out, it just blew my mind. Clearly, one or the other of these statements is false. Clearly, Mr. Bancroft must of a necessity be well aware of the fact Clearly, no true or impartial historian could have written both and published them to the world. Um, yeah, it says uh, clearly he, uh, anyone calling himself a historian who would be guilty of doing so and who occupies the position as an honorary member of this society should, by reason of this fact alone, separate and apart uh, from any other consideration be dropped from its role. So they're saying right there, he loses all credibility, all credibility for what he's doing with these, with his, his story, right? It's fiction. For this mean cowardly and unpatriotic attack. Also the name Hubert Howe Bancroft deserves to be stricken from the honorary membership of the society. And they kept saying that over and over. They were, they were adamant about it. Okay. 
Um, yeah. And, and, and they call him out here in his history of California. He says, Dr. John Marsh said the doctor being kind of a crank from Harvard College who settled here in 1897 or 1837 um, in, in Adobe Hut and achieved distinction as a misanthrope and minor sympathetic with the spirit at whose mountain's feet, Mount Diablo, he crouched. The second edition says Dr. John Marsh, the said doctor being a graduate of Harvard who settled in 1837, building a substantial stone house where he lived in his retirement, so he he so loved. He was highly individualized and intellectual man whose letters of Secretary Marcy and other officials contained valuable information about California. So that was the difference between the first edition and the second edition. See how he changed his tone? All right, this is what we're talking about here. This over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, here's here's the one where he switched these people, okay? But with the ease with which Mr. Bancroft can shuffle out responsibility as a historian is best illustrated in another passage from Volume 2, where in the first issue, in alluding to uh, Volney E. Howard and Terry, he said, what was Howard's patriotism? Self-glorification? Pompous display? Blood and thunder greatness? What was Terry's patriotism? Partisan jealousy? Malignant passion? Bloodthirsty revenge? And then in the new issue of the same volume, this passage was modified by simply substituting other names for those of Howard and Terry, so that it reads as follows now. What was McGowan's patriotism? Self-glorification, pompous display, blood and thunder greatness. What was Casey's patriotism? Partisan jealousy, malignant passion, bloodthirsty revenge. So he's changing it. It's bullshit. He may he wrote a story that he wants us to take as fact. It's not fact, guys. What these historians write that Farad Zawas out in Egypt, that Egyptologist, is the biggest crook in the world. He has hidden more history. He has he has retarded the study of Egypt more than any person you, you can imagine out there. Yet they parade this guy around like he's the Jesus of Egypt. He's one of their puppets sent out there as an agent of chaos to distract, to keep us off the trail. To falsify history, just like Bancroft's doing here. Somebody sent Bank. My assertion is someone sent Bancroft out there to go collect all the information that he could on the West. And then we were going to make sure it never got out to the public and that he was then tasked with writing the official narrative, his story of the West. And that's my contention. I will stick to it through and through and this is part of my what what makes me feel validated is that this guy's just a, he he's he's another one of those characters in the play they gave him credit for much more than he ever had done right he never wrote all these 60,000 pages get the hell out of here he had 600 people helping him out he didn't write hardly anything these people went around they copied out of old books. They changed names. They changed dates. They changed places. Re, you know, renamed things. 
This is a total whitewashing of history. And this is what they do. This is how the narrative works. The burning of the Library of Alexandria, right? If that place even did exist, why would they do that? It's just to, to, to scatter us. If we don't know our history, how can we know what we are, where we came from? If you, a tree does not have strong roots, it will not grow very efficiently. And that's what we are right now. We are a people, you know, Graham Hancock says, a people with amnesia, right? We have no roots. Our roots have been burned. So my goal is to dig through, sift through the lies, call out the lies, and then move on. Because then I know, okay, I have to pay no more attention to this. And Bancroft is one of those cats. We don't have to pay any more attention to him. He's full of shit. You can read his books. You can read it and take it with a grain of salt. But it's not the be-all, end-all. His word is, his credibility is shot. Okay? He's as credible as Millie Vanilli. But mainstream will have you. He's got still got his library. They never took away his library. No, because it's all about money. And that's what this boils down to. This is he, He's part of the plan, trying to put out their agenda, their narrative. Okay? Bancroft's histories uh, were uh, the constant and sweeping assertions that all men who ever wrote upon California in a historical and other way who have reached conclusions that are contrary to those of Mr. Bancroft maintains are liars as the briefest way of disposing of their narratives. And this too, usually without the support of evidence to sustain the arrogant and ill-bred dictum, taking it for granted that such dictum, uh, such dictum will uh, be held by the general public as an imperial edict, not to be, uh, gainsaid or disputed coming from so high an authority as himself as the historian of historians of the age we live in now replace history with science and this motherfucker is dr fauci 2.0 right that's exactly what it was we're supposed to just trust him and you know, the general public is supposed to take what he says as an imperial edict, not to be gainsaid or disputed coming from so high an authority as himself, as the historian of historians of the age we live in. Fauci's the doctor of doctors, right? You couldn't question him. If you question him, you were questioning science. Well, guess what, folks? Science is all about fucking questions, asking questions. And once we stop asking questions, it is no longer science. It is indoctrination. And that's what you, these stupid people that fucking want to keep saying it over and over. I'm I'm heated about this because I'm so sick of these people being put up there on a pedestal. And if we can prove they're lying, we're the crazy ones. It's such bullshit. One fact stands out with singular prominence throughout these cowardly assertions, and that is the fact that every one of the men whom he thus denounces as liars have long since passed over to the great majority and can no longer answer to these cruel attacks upon their memories. Right? So the guys die. 
and then you call them a liar and they they can't even defend themselves. Sounds a lot like what we went through with this whole scamdemic. Should be noted that no regular diary or log of this voyage is exist uh, exempt or is known to have been extant. Of the three narratives which I have cited, one perhaps was written from memory by company uh, a companion of Drake. The others are compilations from notes of the chaplain Fletcher written under circumstances which we know but little by a man not noted for his veracity and from the reminiscence probably of others. Again, on page 91, he says, few have been sufficiently impressed with the fundamental truth that uh, Chaplain Fletcher was a liar. So, you know, he's just, he's all about sullying people. Okay, so what I want to do now is I want to get to, that's kind of the backdrop of, of you know, what they're accusing him of. I want to get to the actual letter now. Um, yeah, okay, so here we go. Your committee caused a copy of these charges to be prepared for the service upon Mr. Bancroft, together with a written notification from them of which the following copy via the Hall of Society of California Pioneers, San Francisco, December 5th, 1893. So this is, this is uh, written to Hubert H. Bancroft, Esquire. Dear Sir, the undersigned, a committee of Society of California Pioneers appointed to investigate and report upon certain charges of misconduct against you as an honorary member of the society, hereby notify you that uh, the committee uh, will meet at Pioneer Hall. Um, it is uh, the charges against you for investigation and that you are respectfully invited to attend at said time and place with counsel, if you please, for the purpose of said investigation. And it's from William Simpson, uh, R. Thompson, A.S. Hall, and S.W. Holliday. Okay, so these are the charges that they are hitting him with. Uh, okay, so first, the charge set forth in the first count of said indictment touching Bancro uh, Mr. Bancroft's treatment of the names Fremont, Stockton, Souter, and the uh, men of Bear Flag Party, of which uh, are covered by the preamble and resolutions introduced by Mr. Far uh, Farwell and adopted by the society as herein before set forth your committee find are fully sustained. Second, the charges grouped in the second count of the indictment and which consist of instances of unjust and cruel attacks upon un, uh, the names and memories of early pioneers who were among the originators of early members of the society and none of whom are now living, your committee also find fully sustained. So that, that's what we just talked about, that he's attacking these people who are dead and they, they can't speak for themselves. And, and they were members of the society too, upstanding members, according to the other members. Third, the charges of misrepresentation of the facts of history and maligning the memories of those Americans and others who were unjustly arrested and expatriated to Mexico in 1840 under circumstances of extreme cruelty and injustice and of abuse and vilification of T.J. Farnham, 
who was an eyewitness of the affair and who wrote an account of the same in his book published in 1852, Life, Adventures, and Travels in California. Your committee find and are fully sustained and compromise in themselves uh, and act unworthy of any fair-minded historian and abhorrent and every unprejudiced and patriotic American citizen. So again, he's calling him out that these people that that were sent to Mexico, you know, Bancroft just shit all over him, and that was unwarranted. Fourth, the extraordinary charge of having, in his first edition of Volume 2, The History of Oregon, published an account of a trial certain uh, Cayuse Indian murderers held many years ago before a judge who was then, and up to the time of his death, remained a member of the good standing of this society, in which the said judge was made the subject of attack in terms, in, uh, and which, if they are had been true, would have consigned his name and memory to lasting infamy and of striking all out of publishing and publishing in the second edition of the same volume, an exact opposite statement of eulogy and praise as shown in the fourth count of said indictment, your committee not only find fully sustained, but regarded as a shameful act sufficient in itself to render the works of any so-called quote unquote historian unworthy of credence. And they're they're going after him. They're saying he has zero credibility if he did this. Fifth, the apparently uh, malignant and certainly cruel and unjust attack upon the name and the memory of General Grant, who, while living, was an honored as well as an honorary member of this society, as set forth in the fifth count of his indictment, your committee find fully sustained and cannot refrain from expressing the opinion that the retain the name of General Grant in its list of honorary members together with that of this maligner, Hubert Howe Bancroft, would be an act inconsistency unworthy of the name and fame of the Society of California Pioneers. So basically they're just saying Bancroft isn't worthy to be in their in their little party, in their little group. Six, the group of charges compromi- uh, comprised is the sixth count of this indictment wherein contradictory statements in regard to early pioneers appear in the different editions of the same volumes uh, and the pusillanimous pusillanimous treatment of the late Judge Terry's conflict with the vigilante committees of 1856 as related and exposed we find fully sustained. Seventh, the closing or seventh count of this already more than severe indictment wherein it shows that Mr. Bancroft's method of writing history are to assert certain conclusions of his own in regard with uh, to the men and events of the period which he has written to denounce all who differ with him as liars, no matter what part they may have played in the events, how much better uh, may have been their opportunities of knowing the facts of history, how upright uh, may have been their lives or how unsullied their reputations while living and we, and find fully sustained. Finally, the cases presented against Mr. Bancroft as a whole constitutes, in the opinion of your special committee, valid reasons why the name Hubert Howe Bancroft should no longer per- be permitted to remain upon 
the role of this society as an honorary member. Okay. And they say, we may be permitted to add that in vindication of the truth of the early California history and the real facts relating to the uh, conquest and acquisition of the country by the United States, as well as in vindication of the memories of the many early pioneers who have been maligned, misrepresented in these so-called Bancroft histories, your committee recommend that the board of directors be requested to have all the proceedings heretofore had as well as those which may be had upon the subject matter here under consideration compiled and printed in proper form for general distribution among public libraries of the United States and elsewhere as may be deemed desirable and prosper and signed by those same four folks. Um, and then they offered a resolution in the bear flag revolt and i'm not going to get into that because that's um yeah i mean basically he says right here uh we are therefore of the opinion that bancroft has neither fairly nor truthfully set forth the motives and character of the bear flag revolt in his history of california and his allusion to it as the criminal outbreak of vagabond settlers is flagrantly and maliciously untrue. So the last point here, WB Fair, uh, Fair, uh, Farwell moved that the resolution offered by Dr. Washington Eyre proposing that the name Hubert Howe Bancroft be stricken from the role of honorary membership in the society be formally adopted on being duly seconded this question was called, and on being put to vote, the chair declared carried unanimously, and that Hubert Howe Bancroft was no longer an honorary member of this Society of California Pioneers. Dr. William Simpson, after reading his resolution in relation to the Bear Flag Party, moved its adoption. On being duly seconded, the chair declared it carried unanimously. And just like that, Mr. Bancroft, okay, he was put in his place. Okay, so if if you want to just take a look, I'll, I'll show you some of these pictures I got here real quick. So if we look here, this is the Book of the Fair. Okay, uh, where do we go? Let's go back here. Book of the Fair. Okay, this is uh, that thousand... I have five volumes, okay? So it's a couple hundred pages each. It, actually, it may be even more. Let's see. We got it right here. Let's open it up. All right, so here's the first one. This is book one. All right, so let's open book one. How many pages? Yeah, 200 pages. So it's not that big. But what it is, when you look at these books of the fair, you know, he's going through everything. Every bit of it he writes, documents, has a story for. Okay. And and like I said, eventually I'll I'll post those up there too. But um, you know, this guy, he's just a shyster, one of those shady, shady characters. So if you look, here's his editions, right? It was estimated to go for a thousand to fifteen hundred. It's thirty-nine volumes. That's the history of the West, uh, North American West, from what a Panama to Alaska, and then all of his Indian novels, his California, his Oregon. It went for like 600 bucks, but still, 
That's a lot. 39 volumes this guy wrote. Okay, let's think about that. <laughs> this is the creepiest picture I've ever seen in my life. This is like his family, but they like Photoshop or, or like cut the pictures and pasted them in together. It's like a collage. It is so Adam's family creepy. Oh, I don't know. It just gave me the creeps when I saw this fucking picture. It's so weird. There's Bancroft with his handlebar. Okay. Historian of the Pacific States. You see what they do, guys? They just prop these guys up. Okay, so here's what he wrote. The History Races of the Pacific States, five volumes. History of Central America, three volumes. History of Mexico, six volumes. History of Texas and North Mexican States, two volumes. History of Arizona and New Mexico, one volume. History of California, seven volumes. History of Nevada, Colorado, and Wyoming, one volume. History of Utah, one volume. History of Northwest Coast, two volumes. History of Oregon, two volumes. History of Washington, Idaho, and Montana, one volume. History of British Columbia, one volume. History of Alaska, one volume. California Pastoral, one volume. California Inner Pucula, one volume. Popular Tribunals, two volumes. Essays and Miscellany, one volume. And The Literary Industries, which was his autobiography, is one volume. Okay, the volumes are in size octavo of about 800 pages each and are published at the uniform price of $4.50 a volume in cloth and $5.50 in sheepskin. I think this this uh, this book was from like the early 1900s or something. It was ridiculously expensive to get these books of Mr. Bancroft. But so that's. That's it, guys. That's what I got for this very, very interesting story here. Because, guy, like you saw, 60 volumes. This guy is supposed to be the most, you know, credible historian of the West. And we find out right here the Society of California Pioneers rips him up, down, and sideways. Says he's not credible. He, you know, as a historian. And... We should really take his work with a grain of salt. And I agree with him. And that's the way we should look at all these historians. Right. And I, this is what bothers me so much about, you know, and why I don't get into the back and forth much on the different forums when it comes to these people who are dead set that the narrative was the way it happened. And that anything you say counter to the narrative, you're just a retard. You, I mean, it's like, come on, guys. You're going to tell me that this is this is bullshit, but hook, line, and sinker, what you've been taught is absolutely true. There's no questioning it whatsoever. We're just supposed to blindly believe, okay, that in Chicago in 1893, and I always go back to this one because this one, I, I still have anyone that can explain this to make sense. That you took 690 acres of swampland. And in two years, pre-machinery, pre you know, heavy-duty machinery, 690 acres. And in two years, landscaped the swampland, did all the irrigation, did all the electrical work, did all the foundations for all the buildings, and then put up 
200 buildings, 14 of which were some of the largest buildings on the planet at the time. And we're just supposed to suck on that narrative tea. Come on. You got to be better than that. You can't, you're telling me right there, I can't question that, that there's nothing shady about that. And that we can't question the buildings and that some of them might have been permanent. And yeah, they did build buildings. I'm not, we're not denying that. At least anyone with half a brain is not denying that at the World's Fair, there was construction that took place. Of course there was. They had to refurbish the old buildings. They had to mix in some new buildings. And there was your fair. And we're going to get into the fairs. I'm I'm getting on, on a kick right now. Like I said, Casey and I, uh, we're going to do part two of our San Francisco. Um, I believe next week we're getting together to do part two there. And we're going to look at the 1915 San Francisco World Fair in that one. I plan on doing a deep dive into Buffalo World Fair of 1901 again and St. Louis of 1904. Those two have always rubbed me the wrong way. And then what I want to do eventually, I want to take a look into the the European ones, specifically the Paris, because those Parisian World Fairs were like Chicago-esque. And that's actually what pushed Chicago to be Chicago was the one of the Paris Expos. But after we wrap up this little San Francisco, California kick, I want to take you guys back to Chicago and we got to re-look at the Chicago fire. Because the more I've been digging into that a little bit more and we're going to read some firsthand uh, accounts of those fires. And you tell me if it was a fire because... The shit that went on that day in in those fires is some of the wildest stuff I have ever heard in my life. Just, you know, apocalyptic movie and beyond. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, And I also I will give you those documents once I uh, once I put the show out. Those will all go up on, on Patreon, much like this book right here will be up on patreon when this episode comes out and uh and that's what we're trying to do here guys i'm trying to share information i'm trying to uh have others question things also and then not only question but then go do a little bit of research right it's not gonna hurt go dig in a little bit get your hands dirty see what you find you may find a giant nothing burger and believe me I've spent hours and hours researching stuff and didn't find what I thought. And I was like, okay, time to move on. And just because you don't find what you're looking for doesn't mean you can't change the way you look at it. And that's what this is all about, is as we learn, we adjust. We're constantly, the way I'm looking at this is, You know, we're just constantly fine-tuning our vision. We're we're locking in on things, and then we're moving on to the next. And and guys, this 
what we're doing here is is at first I was like, ah, I don't know how important this is, but this is real important. This is real important stuff right here because it's part of the greater lie. And that's that's how this whole thing, it's not how this ends, but the, they are the ones who have been lying to us. They've been abusing us knowingly, right? The whole birth certificate system. It's just slavery. Go go listen way back to my Act of 1871 episode. And you'll hear how they have manipulated this system to be this way. And it is what it is. You know, it's not like you're going to you're going to light this thing on fire and fix it all and change it. No, it's going to it's going to eventually run its course. Like I said what I say earlier, everything is a wave. And right now they're riding a wave, but guess what? It's crumbling beneath their feet. Every it's it's falling apart. Okay? And and guys, do me a favor. Please. Don't listen to the stupid fucking fear porn anymore. I'm going to go off on this on Monday Night Masturbators this week because another date has come and passed with a giant nothing happening. Okay, and what I need you to do is don't get distracted. That's what those dates are out there to do. They are weapons of mass distraction. It's like if you're being hunted, right? You're going to throw some breadcrumbs off the trail to try and mislead people. That's what these dates are. That's what a lot of these podcasters out here are. Agents of misinformation. Especially the fear porn guys. The fear porn pushers are the worst. If you're listening to fear porn pushers, get out now. They're lowering your vibration. They're bringing you down. And they're preparing you for nothing. They haven't been right about any of this. Okay? You want to you go listen to somebody who knows what's going on and, and has been hammering it over and over and over? Go listen to Charlie Robinson over at Macroaggressions. He breaks it down the best out of anyone I heard without, you know, pushing the fear porn to to, to an extent. And again, you know, you, you got to take all these guys with a the, with the grain of salt because you don't know them. But at the same time, you should also see through the bullshit. The guys that are constantly, the world is going to end. Everything's bad. There's going to be a crash this, crash that. Guys, shit constantly changes. We can't live in a bubble. Everything isn't going to be perfect all the time. But if you're living in a constant state of fear, you're fucked. Because that's exactly what they want. When you're in a state of fear, you are not thinking clearly. You are not looking out for your best interests. And you need to just stop. Look around. Realize what's important. I've been talking with a friend this last week and man, she just opened up my eyes to a lot because after all this shit I've been through the last couple of years, there's days when I look and I'm like, damn, man, I actually have made some progress in this, but this battle isn't one that's won easy. It's a daily battle, internal battle with yourself. Are we going to do what's right? 
are we going to do what's wrong? Are we going to do what's natural? Or are we going to consume? Just be in that consumer mindset. And that's what they want. They want us as far away from natural as possible. No connection with God. No connection with nature. No connection with family. Why? Because then you're easily manipulable. And guys, we don't want to be those. I hope that my the people that listen to this show are better than that. I hope you're the ones who are leading your, your school boards when they're trying to pass these ridiculous nonsense. You're out at those meetings sticking up for your kids. You're the ones out there who won't let adults do things to kids. That's who I hope are, are listening here. The people that question, the people that will act when they see wrong. Because it's one thing to call it out, but it's another we have to act on it too. Because just letting it go is acceptance, unfortunately. Now, what do we have to do? We don't have to go kicking and screaming. and No. Call it out for its bullshit. Bring it to the attention and move on. It's real simple. Right? And we, I was dealing with that this weekend at my son's soccer game. Dealing with one of those parents who, you know, <laughs> it is what it is in this day and age. And it just came to the point where, okay, fine. do what, You do what's best for your kid. We'll do what's best for the team. And if it means we have to go our separate ways, we have to go our separate ways. But we're not creating nonsensical rules for one person. It's not how this game works, folks. The majority does not have to acquiesce to the minority because they they want to feel included. No. Tough shit. Pull up your big boy pants, big girl panties, and get something done. All right? Because th that's where I'm at right now. I'm just sick of all this. Everybody wants everything done for them, handed to them. No. Get up. Do it yourself. Take the first step. It's on you. Period. All right. You guys want to get any Great Deception podcast merchandise? We have a uh, Teespring store in the link below. Go check it out. Um, we got t-shirts, hoodies. Hoodies are nice and warm. It's starting to get cold. I don't know about you guys, but up here in New England, fuck, we had a 30-degree night the other night. It was chilly. So sweatshirts come in handy this time of year. But also, you want to help out the show, you can contribute. Uh, we have a Venmo and a PayPal down below. You can make a contribution that way or the Patreon. Patreon is a great way. I got three different tiers you can hop into. Um, like I said, we, we have monthly meetings. You get all the Monday Night Master Debaters. I'm not posting to YouTube right now because I have uh, I got a second strike for some stupid old world video. And uh, and so I'm going to stay off YouTube for a while and I'm going to post all my videos to Patreon, get more traffic over there, hopefully get some more eyes on and, and more people in the game. So patreon.com slash the great deception podcast. Again, I want to thank my buddy Robert over in Sweden, Tartaria, Israel. It's just may not be Tartaria itself. 
but the old world is real, Robert. I will give you that, my friends. Nomad, Mikey J, thank you guys so much. And all my other patrons. Guys, I really appreciate you. Um, the show is going to keep going. We're going to keep getting bigger and better. I'm, I'm inspired by you guys right now. That's why I'm cranking out a little bit more material than I normally do. I just, you know, I'm feeling it right now. So we're going to go with it. Um, San Francisco, part two, coming up next week with Casey. Check out Monday Night Master Debaters. One of my favorite shows. We got a great one this week coming up. Joe and Jen from Legit Bat will be on with Ryan and I. And uh, guys, we got some good shows coming up. So stay tuned. Uh, Do me a favor. Leave a review. Uh, Five stars, preferably, even if you want to shit on me. You want to, yeah, you want, you want to tell me the show sucks. Leave a five star review at least. And then you can say whatever you want. Um, Hey, the reviews help get me in the algorithm, keeps the show uh, possibly getting to some more eyes and that'll get us growing guys. So thank you very much, everyone. Stay strong and question everything. Make us a man. Creators are leaders. Be careful what kind of leaders you're producing here. I don't know if Charlie's silence here today is right or wrong. I'm not a judge or jury, but I can tell you this. He won't sell anybody out to buy his future. And that, my friends, is called integrity. That's called courage. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. Now, I have come to the crossroads in my life. I always knew what the right path was. Without exception, I knew, but I never took it. You know why? It was too damn hard. Now, here's Charlie. He's come to the crossroads. He has chosen a path. It's the right path. It's a path made of principle. That leads to character. Let him continue on his journey. You hold this boy's future in your hands, committee. It's a valuable future. Believe me. Don't destroy it. Protect it. Embrace it. It's going to make you proud one day. I promise you.